Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast. Coming up on this episode, it's a Zwift romance. Through Zwift, our dreams come true, so this is uh, why we are so happy. The Zwiftcast's new coaching spot has an alternative to the dreaded 20-minute FTP test. And meet Eric Chon, the man who nails flyers and fixes it for Zwifters with issues. Well, for the second time in as many months, uh, it, we're all three together, boys. Um, here we are again in another hotel room <laughs> with Nathan perched on the bed, Shane sat cross-legged on the floor. Uh, hey, Shane, uh, nice to see you. G'day, mate. How are we? Yeah, well, I'm tired. I, will, we'll, I think you might be feeling the effects too. We'll get to the reason why in a moment. Nathan, how are you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of in a uh, time warp a little bit. It's a little Twilight Zone, but that's okay. It's been a busy couple of days, but very exciting couple of days. All three of us were involved to a pretty high degree with the latest CVR race series, which took place in London uh, last evening. That was in Shoreditch. And for people who don't know that, that's kind of hipster central in East London. It's... Um, I was going to say it's the UK equivalent of the Silicon Valley, but it's nothing like that. But there's lots and lots and lots of digital businesses and uh, startups and stuff based around this area. We were in um, a converted railway arch with uh, with very thick walls and quite low ceilings and stuff. And um, I mean, it, it, it really was a pain cave last night. Uh, you were competing as an athlete. So let, let, let's hear your view of how it was last night for you and, and, and a bit of an assess- assessment of the event. Yeah, look, it was, uh, I guess it kind of felt like home because about 230 years ago, the British shipped off many uh, criminals who were held in very similar dungeons as we were in last night. So I felt a little bit at home, I guess, coming over and being uh, put in a pain cave like that, but no shackles, um, only the uh, the bike and the, uh, the clip-ins that uh, held us in place. But look, tough event, really, really tough. Um, I've been training pretty hard, caught the dreaded man flu in the last week. I'm like, oh, do I train through it? So I've been training and then resting and training and uh, still shaking it. But um, look, I hit some PBs there, but that wasn't anywhere near enough to be competitive. It was uh, on from the gun. And if you've seen the replay, that both races, the ladies and the men's, straight out of the blocks. We were doing probably 600 watts plus for a minute or so before it settled down. Um, And then we chased and chased and chased. And I, to be honest, didn't have the legs. 20 minutes in, kaboom, that was it for me. Do you think the environment that we were racing in last night had anything to do with that? Because it was a tough environment. Super hot in there last night. And uh, yeah, there was no audio. We didn't have any audio. So we couldn't hear the um, you guys on the mics and like sort of lighting up the environment, who's attacking and who's where. It was almost like being at home with no audio on. Um, So that definitely impacted my race. In Vegas, we heard everyone screaming. And when someone's screaming, you go harder. That was a real big atmosphere. So that was a little bit lacking. Nathan, I mean, we saw Tim Cartwright win. No surprise, really. I mean, he's such, such, such a strong rider and he kind of time trialed his way. He blasted the opposition out of sight, really. You were commentating. I, I was actually working behind the scenes on this one with the um, rather grand-sounding title of executive producer. So uh, it was my job to bring the whole show together from kind of um, in television terms, which is drawing on my old background. 
Uh, that's a train just going through Hackney Central listeners, by the way. It's gone now. Um, Nathan, you were in your, your, your usual role as, as commentator, with, along with Chris Haskell. How, how did it feel for you? The connection with London and the UK is really strong with Swift. It's one of the largest populations, I think, as, as far as I can see, uh, from just the numbers that I see and the flags I see on Swift. So there was a lot of people who made it to the event that I've been seeing on Swift since beta, you know, and, and just people who have been in the streams and everything. So that was a great connection. Uh, commentating with Chris was great. We had more real world, like what the suffering is, what is actually happening with each one of the athletes and being able to talk about that a little bit more than just what I'm seeing in the game of Zwift was really cool. I, and I think that's kind of what CVR is after, what Cycling Gen is after a little bit with this is to connect the sport to eSport. Uh, we definitely had a lot more scenes and as a commentator to have more scenes uh, to talk about uh, what the athletes are feeling and what they're expressing during their race, uh, what they're thinking during the race and seeing those images to, to talk about it definitely was a new way of um, being creative as a commentator. And I, I really enjoyed that, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason you were getting some of those shots was because I'd kind of reverted to my old persona as uh, a live live TV guy. And I was up in the... Um, uh, must be said rather cobbled together production gallery that we had we, we were tight for space in that venue and um, we had a, a number of pretty severe technical challenges if uh, if I'm honest with people um, but we were able to get those pain face shots those sweating shots and those shots you know those great live shots that really just immediately transmit the the, the brutality and the effort of the uh, that's involved in these races and and I think that there were some positives from that but we're at a kind of weird confluence here between digital streaming digital game streaming and conventional TV and there were elements of both di- disciplines in that and I don't know if they worked really I mean the thing is guys actually we're all in Frank Garcia who puts these events on um, included, we're all experimenting here. I mean, this this really is inventing something something new. I mean, let's let's ask that we'll round off this discussion with a with a kind of quick assessment of do we think that this event moved it forward? Were, were there many learnings? You know, again, do we think this has a future as a spectator and participatory sport? What do you think, Shane? Hmm. From an athlete perspective, moving it forward, we need to see more of either the gamification or the realism brought into the platform. Um, That's probably more aimed at Zwift. I think the riders are knowing how to play the game. If you see the power profiles, we're on smart trainers, you'd never know if you look at the power profile. People are flat out down the hill, they're flat out up the hill, and the heart rates are pegged. There's no, in a normal race, you've got ups and downs, you've got rests, you've got troughs, you've got peaks, you've got sprints, you've got attacks. This is just one speed and that's flat out. From an athlete and a competitor point of view, that's where the development needs to start taking place to be more realistic because during my race last night, I was looking forward to getting out on the road and racing A-grade races because, to be honest, they're easier out on the road. This stuff is hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all good points and, and we'll get on later on in the, in, in the show, actually, to a bit of pace of development at Zwift, which... I think it's got a little bit slower again. But anyway, we'll save that for a few minutes down the track. But but Nathan, I'm, I'm again, just before we were talking, just before we started recording, and, and you came up with a really good thought, which is actually you kind of need to take these events to where the people are rather than try to bring the people to the events. And I mean, I think all three of us have, have thought that doing this at something like Eurobike, for instance, is, is, an, is an absolute no-brainer. 
I think that if we take it to the crowds uh, in both the cycling and the esport world, we will uh, see a huge pickup in interest in meeting people who have never seen this before. And so the only people that we're really going to reach out with to for this right now are the ones. Uh, if we go to a venue and then try and bring the crowds in are the ones who already know about this. But it's such a niche thing right now that you're going to have to go somewhere like London where the niche is, right? And so that's why I think we got a big crowd. If we go to... Uh, say some sort of an esports convention or a gaming convention or, or, or TwitchCon, ePax or whatever, or if we go to Interbike or Eurobike, the crowds already be there and they'll be introduced to the new concept. And I think that's really how we expand this out to to, to create a new market. Yeah, yeah no, I think that's true. Uh, I'm one of the one of the things that I was involved in is that this is going to be transmitted on a, a linear TV. Uh, platform. It's going to be on the the Sky platform on a channel called the Bike Channel, and it will be really interesting to see what kind of um, audience that uh, that it reaches there. Actually, because that that yeah again is a different a different platform. We've not seen this on conventional TV. Um, yeah, really interesting. I think everybody involved in these events is going to admit that each one is a really, really, really big learning process. Um, whether they ultimately can be successful, I, I'm going to, I'm afraid, keep sitting on the fence. For me, the jury's still out. Um, we, we need to watch and see how it develops. There's certainly money being put into it by the organisation organization behind these, these races. To an extent, it, if it's going to be super successful, it might just depend how deep their pockets are and how long they can keep keep funding these effectively experimental events. Interesting one, we'll be watching. Well, um, Zwift has had its first romance. Lisa and Michael, who are both from Germany, met on the platform and six months later, after a whirlwind courtship, they got married. Here's their lovely, happy story. I'm going to ask you both to tell your story. But first of all, I just want to get a sense of what kind of reaction you've had. It seems to me that the reaction you've had has been absolutely overwhelmingly fantastic. Uh, yes, <laughs> it was very surprising for us because we, um, yeah, we are twifting together and we have this uh, Facebook community and we thought of, yeah, we want to share sure. it with you. <laughs> and um, then there was over a thousand likes and we were just like, wow, that's uh, really amazing. Well, we sorry. didn't. Expected. Unbelievable. Uh, people love happy stories like this, and I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's a first. Goodness me, it's a first. Let's let's begin the story. C- can you tell tell me from the beginning how this happened? Okay, so uh, in Swift, you can have the followers, right? And so one of our common friends um, had us as followers. So I was just looking when I started with Swift uh, in this followers group of my friend. And one of this was uh, Michael and he was like 51 years old and the picture was very nice and his brown eyes were very nice. And I said, okay, I, I follow him as well in the Swift followers. And um, then we had, I have seen when he was riding, I gave him some ride-ons and so the same uh, did he. Did same, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and so then we started, uh, yeah, the Swift romance. <laughs> and Michael, how did you start communicating? Was it through the message system on Swift? Uh, yes, uh, the first sentence uh, through the message system, and uh, uh, a few days or few, a few hours later uh, via WhatsApp and uh, Facebook. 
Amazing. So what, what was it on, on, I mean, obviously, Lisa, you seem to be highly attracted by um, uh, Michael's fantastic handsomeness, but but w- what else was it that made you think that you might be able to, um, to have some kind of romance? Um, I think because he had the same hobby like me, like um, riding, cycling, and he's a sporty guy. And um, uh, yeah, it was like uh, his pictures um, on Facebook um, were um, very uh, interesting. And uh, I thought, yeah, um, I was very interested in knowing him a little bit more. The relationship obviously progressed um, after WhatsApp and, and Facebook. When did you first meet? In real life, it was uh, the end of January, yes? 26th. The 26th January. And, and obviously that meeting in real life went pretty well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, lived in Hamburg this time and uh, Michael in Frankfurt. So I said, okay, I will visit you. <laughs> uh, I'm very curious. I was an, on the train uh, three and a half hours and um, I don't know if it was long or short. It was just like, um, yeah, the feelings were up and down, up and down. <laughs> and then uh, when I got uh, off the train and I saw him on the um, uh, train station, oh um, it was just like, this is this is my man. <laughs> wow, what a fantastic story. And Michael, did you did you feel the same? Yeah, absolutely. I saw her and uh, I knew that this is uh, my wife. Uh, I was really, it's um, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It really does. You know, it's got all the elements of romance, hasn't it? In a meeting in a railway station and it's kind of love at first sight. I, I mean, it's just an amazing story. So from, from January to June, it's only six months and you, 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 you've, you're already now married. Yes. 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 So when you say, okay, when did we meet? We meet uh, on the 26th of January and uh, then we spent the weekend together. And after this weekend, we said, okay, we, we fit very well. So we, it was like a, like a, not a joke, but um, ah, after these two days, oh, we could marry together. Okay. okay. <laughs> if only everything in life was so simple and uncomplicated. Um, so, Michael, do, do you cycle now with Lisa as well on Zwift and in real life? Yes, both, both. Uh, we cycled really every week if the weather's fine and if the weather's not so fine uh, we are swifting together so so you do you do swift side by side you've got two swift stations set up there side by side in our uh, in our apartment yeah, yeah. we have two swift uh, stations with two computers and two touch screens uh, and we're drifting side by side. I can't think there will be anybody in the Zwift community who doesn't wish you so well. Uh, meeting on Zwift and now Zwifting together, I mean, it's uh, it's like a Zwift dream, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> sure. yeah. Through Zwift, our dreams come true. So this is uh, why we are so happy that we have Zwift and we say many, many thanks to Zwift because otherwise we perhaps... Never met. (laughs) Well, uh, my best wishes, the best wishes of the entire Zwift community. What a fantastic story. And you sound so happy together. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. So thank you, Simon, for the chance to to give you our um, impressions and our Mm. love story. Thank you very much, Simon. Yes, and um, I'm also very thankful to the Zwift community. And uh, Zwift is the reason why I met my dream girl. And uh, yes, I'm so happy about it. Thank you. Right on. 
So, Nathan, Zwift as Tinder for cyclists, discuss. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I don't think you can swipe right or left, can you? I guess turn right or left? Intersections. Like, only at the intersection. So, which way are you going to go and who are you going to follow? Uh, that's interesting. Um, so, uh, the pursuit, it's definitely the pursuit out on Zwift. So, um, I mean, I guess how many, how many different ways can we put it in cycling terms? Um, you know, what I think of right away is marriages I've seen that were actually performed in World of Warcraft. This happened where a marriage was not only, uh, came out of the interaction of meeting in game, but actually the marriage itself was performed with the avatars in the game and the entire guilds showed up and they went to a place in the world and they had a ceremony in the whole thing in the world. When we see somebody getting married on the epic com, because <laughs> all the guests will have to ride up that hill to get there. To the people who play the game, it was like a moment, you know what I mean? Whoa, really? And then from the outside looking, people are like, what are you doing? What is going on here? You know what I mean? There's all the sentiment on one side, and then there's this total like, you guys are really weird. <laughs> the other yeah. side. The thing is, it's a great story. They're it's obviously, amazing. obviously so happy together, these two. And, and, and we have seen, I, mean, I have to say, I've never been on them. I've been happily married for a long time. And, and really, I'm too old to have been into that kind of whole online dating thing. But, um, there have been various attempts, I think, at like dating sites for cyclists. I'm looking at you as though you would know, Shane. I mean, like, why would you know? But, but I mean, you and, and Von are cyclists. Did you did you meet through cycling? No, but not far off, I guess, from this story. Um, we went to Ballarat University together in Australia, and uh, we both did computing, and we chatted a lot online using IRC. Now, if anyone remembers IRC, Internet Relay Chat, this was well before, probably as the web was invented, I guess, just text chat. And uh, that's pretty much where I got to meet my wife. So there's a bit of similarity there. We weren't on virtual bikes, but uh, yeah, it was through technology. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's probably safe to say that, that one of the development directions of Zwift is not going to be taken is, is, is developing its dating system or, or dating function. I think that's probably one thing we're, we're unlikely to see on Zwift. However, I mean, you know, the, this actually did arise as a result of the refined system for following. Uh, I mean, Lisa and Michael were, were, were able to follow each other much more easily after the, after the recent update. So at least that's working, Shane. So obviously she had notifications turned on when he was riding and vice versa, exactly. so they knew and they could exactly. join each rider. And, and now with the new, when you join a rider, you're sort of up to speed. So there's no dropping there. So I guess the courtship was probably helped via John and the team <laughs> putting that feature in Zwift. I like it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to be a moaning mini. Uh, I try not to be a moaning mini. And having met John and the team at Long Beach, I know how long development takes and I know where the log jams are in development and I know why we don't see things quite as quickly as we would want to see things. But man, it's quiet on Zwift at the moment, Shane. Yeah, for sure. Look, um, it's funny, walking around London, uh, we were looking around and there's quite a few extra roads here in London. We're not seeing on Zwift yet, hint, hint. Like there's a couple of back streets we want to sort of open up, guys. Yeah, London course extension. I mean, we are going to get it, aren't we, Nathan? I've... We think we're going to get it. So I've seen it. So that's all I can it say. Exists. It exists. It exists. I mean, what can we say, listeners? We, we don't know anymore, really. But I mean, I, I think... Probably all three of us have seen it. John has authorised me to say that one of the reasons for the delay is there is going to be something slightly different about the London extension that we've not seen in Zwift before. And that's probably even more tantalising and even more annoying. 
uh, for listeners. But I think there are really valid reasons for the for the delay to this. And and actually elsewhere in Zwift at, at Long Beach, the, there's kind of been an acceleration of energy and activity. I know there's a few pretty big senior appointments being made, and we are starting to see see kind of more stuff happen. I think more game stuff is is the inevitable consequence of that, Shane, probably for Northern Hemisphere winter, do you? Yeah, look, uh, from the conversations I had with the team when they are in Australia and New Zealand, uh, there's more pieces of the puzzle being put together from a corporate perspective. Mm. And it looks like there's a bit more planning coming and a bit more growing up as a company, I guess. Um, and I think the terminology was, you know, as a startup, you go from a, an adolescent to, you know, you're growing up and just like... The, the, the lifespan of the company is growing and uh, they're really expanding. So I'm hoping in the next six months we'll see a lot of things happening. Um, yeah, so we'll just wait and see. Yeah. Patience, we, we, have, we require patience, I'm afraid. Listeners, us three, everybody else, we've just got to be patient. Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of really cool things I think are going to be coming yeah. down the road. And, um, and London adding to London will be cool. But I like that there's something more to it than just a new road. That's a cool... That, that's the exciting part that yeah. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, I was at Long Beach relatively recently, as as, as loyal listeners will know. And uh, while there, I spoke to a guy called Eric Chon. You may not know his name, but you will do if you hang around on the groups quite a lot. Eric, Eric is kind of the front line for Swift. He deals with loads and loads and loads of customer facing inquiries from uh, complaints to just generally helping to pe- people to um, get into the game in the way they they want to to do it with the equipment that they've got so let's hear a bit more from Eric who's a great guy I guess whenever anyone has any bad news or problem uh, they come to me and, uh, you know, I, me and my team, we try to help everyone out with their uh, technical problems or account problems. Uh, oftentimes, we'll be the first point of contact regarding new features, or especially feature requests, you know. I know that, uh, especially when it comes to development, it may be a feature that you really want, uh, but it could be very difficult to implement. Or, you know, you think it's simple to implement, but then your first iteration with it doesn't go well. So you're like, okay, well, We'll put that on the back burner for now, even though it's a it's a often requested feature, and there are a bunch of those, and we have to be the ones that are constantly be like, all right, so we're not ignoring you, we want to get this done, but at the same time, take that and be like, hey guys, you should work on this, or you you know we need to bump this up because this is a really 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 hot thing. As the community has grown, we have seen the development of clubs, we've seen the development of teams, we've seen the development of a highly uh, active and vocal racing community. We've now got a number of tribes. I mean, do you, uh, are you conscious of that? And do you, do, do, do you feel any one of those has a more uh, strident voice? I, I think it's, it is hard striking a balance. Um, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily one is uh, more vocal than the other. I mean, I think the least vocal might be just the, the which happens to be the majority of our users, I believe. Just use Zwift to exercise or ride around. I would I hate I hesitate to use the term silent majority. <laughs> They're either pretty happy with what it is currently and are happy with an, every new feature. Um, it's kind of just taking. It's not just taking the number of users per per feature. It's it's just kind of gauging or what would be organic to implement next. 
all I can do is communicate to everyone, you know, where people want want to go. Um, I don't really have uh, much insight as to how to decide to plan the next the next uh, the next steps. What's the toughest thing you've ever dealt with? One of the things that seems to always set people off, and I don't blame them, is the flyer alert. The majority of the time, it's a miscalibration, you know, with Z Power, which is itself a you know a sticky issue. Despite the wording that we have, it's not us calling you out as a cheater, you know, and sometimes the community can, you know, either they take it that way or they, they or they push that kind of a, that narrative. No, it, it, and kind of helping people dial back from the idea that we're t- saying, oh, you're going too fast because you're trying to versus, hey, something might be wrong or maybe there's a problem with the software. What we really want to do is just kind of nail, nail it down. What is, what is it? No one likes being called a cheater, you know, and... Uh, and that's definitely something that we want to emphasize, that we don't think of anyone as as that. For the credibility of the platform and the enjoyability of everybody who's on it, that task is a pretty crucial one, is it not? The the idea of having Z-Power, I think, is to make it very egalitarian. You know, we want everyone to be able to enjoy the rides on Zwift. But there's definitely concern regarding, you know, if we're going to be doing races or anything like that. I don't really have a deep insight as to how John and the development team are working on it, but I know that that's a very big concern and that they're uh, doing a lot of things to, in the future, help you know make sure that everyone plays on an even on an even playing field. It's quite a demanding community, is it not? It is, but I think that's good. You know, when you have a demanding community, you know, sure, it can make your job harder, but what it does is it makes your product better. I don't necessarily see it as difficult, more, you know, in regards to like, oh, these people are hard to deal with. I see it more as like, okay, this means that we have to hold ourselves constantly to a higher standard. You know, no lie that can definitely wear on you. But in the end, as long as you realize that this makes everything, you know, better for them, better for you, and, you know, your job satisfaction goes up as soon as when you meet those demands. It's a product that inspires amazing engagement. Um, have you ever worked anywhere else where the user base has been quite so vocal and passionate? I think the level of the level of commitment people put into Zwift is unlike anything I've seen before. It's it's fantastic. You know, it's it's it was shocking to me to see how much people are willing to like kind of invest in themselves, not not just in equipment, but in themselves to better themselves into into becoming a better whatever whatever they want to be as a better rider. And it's really awesome to be part of that with Zwift. This is definitely probably the the most engaged uh, group of people I've ever I've ever had a, the pleasure of working with. What, what role do you think Zwift? Uh, should take in, if any, in moderating the behavior of the community? I don't want to take a strong hand, but I want to make sure that Zwift is welcome to everyone. Um, you know, the more the more people that feel uh, not just safe, but to feel good about riding here, that encounter a positive community, uh, the better. I don't, I don't believe in elitism. I don't believe in... Uh, being negative, I, I feel that you know that drives people away, and uh, you know, I, and I don't think that's too hard of a uh, too hard of a goal. Whenever I ride around outside, everyone I meet is always the most helpful person. You know, whether I have a flat or someone else does, and I feel like it's you know helpfulness is inherent to most cyclists, and I just want to make sure to encourage that. 
So would you say in general it's a fairly easy community to moderate? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, the people, people are generally wonderful in Zwift. And I'm not just saying that. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to communicate, talk to these people, and uh, kind of help them. You know, whenever, I get a, whenever we get a chance to, you know, either solve an issue or announce a new feature and make, uh, you know, make Zwifters happy, then that's like the highlight of our day. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to, real pleasure to meet you after seeing you so, <laughs> so much online. Thank you very much, Eric. Thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, you talking to me. It was really great to meet you as well. Please don't be too angry at me when you send in a support request. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Right on! Okay, fellas. Well, let's um, let's uh, let's do what we usually do and just talk a bit about what each of us has been doing since the last time we updated the listeners. Um, Shane, lots of people will have seen your your fantastic social media coverage of the um, Swift New Zealand and and Oz tour. How was that? Really, really good. Every year we see growth, and this is the third year. Oh, sorry, the third time. So it'd be two years, I guess. Um, that Swift have come out to Australia. This time they added New Zealand. It was really good. They're um, what I call they're my people in the crowd. I would talk. I was talking smart. I can talk smart trainers all night <laughs> or all day and 24 7 so had a great time over in New Zealand uh first, my first time to New Zealand in Auckland um so great crowd over there um Pete's was consumed KOM challenges were done um and just a brilliant country town feel in Auckland um and then over on the plane to Sydney complete opposite chaos madness heaps of people and uh, good night had by all uh, at Rafa Sydney, then down to Melbourne. So uh, this was over five days, three events, and the team behind the scenes were working pretty hard. So Melbourne was a good wrap-up event. Uh, again, com set um, interviews had Matthew Keenan there, the voice of oh, the new voice of cycling, uh, on the mic, and uh, had a good time. But unfortunately, that's where I think I caught my man flu as well. Yeah, no, but look, great time over there. And look, it just goes to show the growth of Zwift in Australia. This continues to happen. And uh, the, the HDR ride on the Wednesday night, we had Tim Searle there in Sydney. And everyone just, we had 380 people on the line for a community ride the other night. And the, uh, the I think the Wednesday that everyone was at Raffer in Sydney, and Tim himself was at Raffer in Sydney, they still had over 300 on his ride. So he was sitting there with a grin all night. Like, yeah, his baby ride was just doing so well. So, yeah, going on. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, I, I continue to try to do that ride if I possibly can, just because it is just, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, I, th I think it's the best ride on Zwift, not only in, in volume terms, but just the atmosphere around it and the, the competitive nature of the last lap. But, it, the, you know, the, the kind of rolling start is usually observed by everybody on the ride. It, it just seems to me to be, you know, the classic great Zwift community ride. It has something for everyone. Because if you're struggling to hold just the bunch pace, that can be your challenge for the night. Hold on for those two laps easy and just roll the last lap. If you're a racer like me, I roll with the bunch and sort of a rolling start and then it's on the last lap. It is race time. It's only short, but you've got a good warm up in. The racing is fierce, but also quite relaxed if you can sit back in the bunch, if you can. Usually we're off the front, they're going hard. Did, did you notice, finally on this, did you notice anything significantly different this year than last year with the, with the Zwift tours or even the year before? Because, I mean, you're a veteran of these now. Is it just simply that numbers are increasing or is there anything kind of qualitatively different going on, do you think? There wasn't any new releases, though. I think in Australia the last few years they've had something new to release as well. This time they just came out and said, look, we're just going to have a party, everyone come along, and they're just sort of now inviting the existing community in. Mm. Um, so I guess it's just, uh, yeah, that's the difference there. Yeah, it's, I think it's become like a kind of almost annual community meetup now, hasn't yeah, it, rather yeah. than an event that introduces, as you say, a new thing to, to, to Australia's cycling community. Mm -hmm. Nathan, I know you are ferociously busy um, 
all the coverage you're doing on ZCL and, and race commentary and London and the whole thing. And you've now taken on something else, or in fact, you've been asked to take on something else. So let's just give a bit of background to this. There is a crazy race in Iceland, which which a lot of the Zwift execs did last year. I know Eric Min did it, Charlie Eisendorf did it, Mike McCarthy did it. I mean, you know, these guys are pretty strong riders and they're doing it again. And they've, they've asked you to join the team. So first of all, just just tell us what you know about this race. It's it's full on, isn't it? Uh, it's the Wild Cyclothon race. They're, we're doing the perimeter of Iceland and uh, you have a team of nine um, and I will be on the Zwift slash CCP team. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it looks like uh, Zwift is in it to win it is what it looks like. They've been, they've been uh, I believe they've had a uh, testing ground in house uh, for the Zwift team and uh I saw, you know, a lot of posts about some rides uh, that the whole Zwift um, employees were doing, like a 300 mile, three days, and they did 100 miles a day in Southern California. Uh, and I think that was kind of a testing ground for them to get ready to see, you know, who is going to make the team kind of a thing. Um, I've been logging into Zwift every day for almost two and a half years, I believe, almost, you know, 90%, maybe more of my rides. And I've been getting right on from a certain guy every time I log in, Eric Min. <laughs> and, and this is, he's been watching me for a while, I think. Because I literally, I log in in about a half, and I ride late at night. And he wakes up in the morning over in the UK, I think. And, and he gets notifications of the people I think that he follows. And suddenly a little ride on comes over my head and it says, E Min. And I'm live. I'm like, hey, Eric Min, give me thanks. Hey, hey, Nathan, are you sure that's a feature, not a bug? Because there was, there was at one point, actually. And I don't know. Was there actually a feature? I, well, I think there was an Eric Min bug, actually. <laughs> No, I seriously do, because I used to get a ride on every single time I got on the trainer from Eric. And it was like, Eric, I know you're not stalking me. You know, I know you don't have time in your busy life. I thought it might be an Eric bot, so maybe you've got the Eric bot. I got the Eric bot, that's what it was. Well, the Eric bot... He, I guess he also has a phone, up maybe, too, yeah, the Eric yeah. bot. So he gave me a call. And, and anyway, so it was... Uh, I'm really honored, actually. Uh, this isn't me, you know, whatever. Like, I'm really, really honored to be a part of the team, and I'm going to... Uh, it's, it's a relay, isn't it? It's so it's, No, I think it's uh, whatever you got yeah. as in your team. You can have anybody out at any time that you want to. And it sounds like at the end of the race, all like the whole team ends up out on course, pushing to be the first one to the line kind of a thing. So first but, but, one I mean, across th the line from the team is what it sounds like is how it works. And whoever you can get there first with your nine-man team, good good to go kind of a thing. But that keeps the average speeds insanely high. I mean, the, the speeds I was seeing were like Tour de France bunch speeds. They were like 25, 26 miles an hour average, you know, towards 40K. I've heard stories, um, I'm, you know, bouncing around Zwift HQ when I was there about this race. It sounds brutal. It sounds... I've heard of 10-minute of efforts and then some relays from 10-minute efforts, flat-out TT stuff. So oh. look out. It's going to be great. I can't wait to hear the reports back from Nathan and the crew uh, about how it all goes. So my training has been for XC racing, and I'm in good shape for XC racing. I've won the last two races at a professional level against pretty stacked fields and the wars races. Um and my last race on Sunday before coming here, so the last few days have been insane. And uh, I raced my bike 
won by a minute and a half. I dropped my chain on the last lap, but I had such a gap that I still came in way ahead. So I had a, I have good fitness right now, but I don't, I've been training for XC racing, an hour and a half, two hours. You know, I'm peaking right now for that a little bit. Just imagine the start of an XC race though, but for three days. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so I think I'm going to go back home and find my bike for three to five hour rides for the next week or so to try and really just... Um, extend out my endurance because obviously the anaerobic ability is there right now to go with that but I just need to really get the glycogen stores ramped up a little bit and uh, get let me just say a few body. let me let me just say a few things to you Nathan. yeah okay here's here's a few <laughs> things to say to you uh, this team is comprised of Zwift execs okay now these guys in their former lives didn't mess around you know Eric built a very successful business and sold it for squillions of dollars Mike McCarthy is a former world champion. Charlie Eisendorf has just gone back to racing. I don't know who else quite is in the team, but let's call them type A, high achieving, high expectation <laughs> kind of guys. And like you say, I think they want to win this. Now, they've kept this really right, kind of well under the radar to the Zwift community mm. itself. And I think there's a feeling amongst them i mean there's a bit of speculation on my part here but i think there's a feeling amongst them that they don't either they don't want to set expectations or they don't want to brag about it or you know or they don't want to be seen to be like you know execs having fun yeah yada 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 my view on that is completely opposite i think it actually shows that they're real proper cyclists you know and i i think they should maybe make a bit more of their participation in this don't you yeah, for sure. I know the guys um, yeah, were speaking about it and a few other rides they've been doing when they were in Australia. I took them out for a few loops around Melbourne to show them the real Australia and we did see kangaroos. So we, I, I told them we'd see kangaroos and we did, which was good. And uh, they're in good form. They really are. So it's good to see people, you know, they're actually, they believe in the product. They've been using Zwift to train up as well. And uh, yeah, let's see how they go. So no pressure, Nathan. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't, I've been so crazy busy. I haven't even had time to think about the pressure. I'm just kind of going to just been like, yeah. just get on my bike and it's, it's the usual. Just get on the bike and go and start pedaling every time I can kind of a thing. So, well, uh, just to update listeners, I, I'm not talking about getting on my bike just now. I'm talking about getting off my bike. Uh, there was a, um, shall we say, involuntary and rather forcible dismount uh, involved in my bicycling life. Um, I have to say that it was it was kind of a misunderstanding at a junction between me and a taxi driver. Sometimes you infer from a look in their eyes and a way they seem to be heading that they're going to be going in a certain direction and then they surprise you. It wasn't really his fault. It could have been my fault. I could have been going slower through the junction. I was carrying a lot of speed into into a, a like kind of mini roundabout thing and I could have exercised a little more caution. But the thing is, I go through that like 100, 200 times a year and I'm really used to what drivers do on it and how to get through it quickly and efficiently. Uh, and on this occasion, it all went wrong like badly wrong and uh, I hit the I hit the rear of the car and uh, went over the top of the bars over the top of the car uh, landed and rolled like a pro like completely not by judgment I just happened to land extremely well and and walked away literally walked away literally completely on the skate the same could not be said for my bike uh, carbon frame and you hear People talk about a bike a frame being in three pieces and you sometimes don't really believe it. My bike was in three pieces. It, 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 the, 
shattered at the head tube, transmitted the force all the way down, all the way down to the bottom bracket. It was in a very, 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 very sorry condition, and uh, I wasn't very happy about it. Anyway, that's kind of what I've been up to. I'm, I'm back on a bike, um, you know, and uh, completely on skates. Put it down to experience kind of thing. But I'd already marked this down to talk about, actually, for us before this happened to me, and that is just this terrible, terrible, terrible spate of of incidents where cyclists are getting run off the road or they're getting killed. I mean, we've seen, you know, Chris Froome, for God's sake, run off the road by an impatient driver. Uh, uh, in the UK here, a teenage, very promising teenage time trialist was killed out training. We've seen Mich- Michele Scarponi killed out training. Or is this just a, a rash or of horrible things or you know are things getting worse on a global basis for cyclists and what, what do you think i mean it's kind of an impossible question but i mean what's your view on it uh it's so hard to tell without knowing the true statistics but mm. i i hope it's only we're just yeah i mean it's tragic that the deaths um that we've referred to there but I'm hoping it's not anything out of the norm. I hope there's not an increase in it and that we're just seeing more of these social media posts and the more discussion around that and the sharing because if someone comments on something, you'll see it on your feed if it relates to. So, And, and more yeah. ca- more cameras on bikes. I mean, you know, yeah, not, not, yeah, not a yeah. day goes by now when I don't... Actually, I skip over them now because you know, I don't want to see them really, but not a day goes by when there's not a punishment pass or a horrible close pass mm-hmm. posted on social media of someone with a camera on a bike. Yeah, so I think it's more, it's probably more regular to we see that posted because of the uh, the content being available. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. It is uh, quite sobering, um, but for me, uh, it doesn't stop me going out in the road. It makes me quite conscious of being visible, and it's really good to see that um, high-vis stuff is not coming back into fashion, but it's not dorky anymore. Mm. At the Raffa store in uh, in Sydney, there was a backpack that was entirely a reflector. Mm. Now, back in the old days, there used to be like a council worker or a yeah. road worker to have reflecting vests yeah. on and things, yeah. but that's now, so I'm, I'm glad to see that. And there's, you know, socks out there that glow. There's So there's more things coming there, and uh, I guess the, the things like the meter matters or, you know, the, the three-foot rule and things like that around the world sort of becoming more part of the discussion. So I hope things are moving in a positive direction. But to see these cases, it's just, yeah, really disheartening. Well, the behaviour I see out on the roads from drivers, I, I regret to say, continues to be dreadful. You know, not every driver, but but enough drivers, you know, you get, you, you get back from a ride and you think, you know, there's at least one incident on that, maybe two or three, particularly when, when you ride in a group, you know, and, and I don't know, it's just, I find it really, really, really tough to deal with. And the reason we're talking about this on a podcast about indoor training is, you know, are, are, do you think these things, <laughs> it's a horrible way to say it, but, you know, are, are they kind of good for, for Zwift? Do you think these things have an effect on the psyche of cyclists overall, Nathan, and, and are actually going to force, they'll never force me indoors, ever. Um, but do you think they could force some people indoors the increased visibility of this kind of stuff? Oh, definitely. I Mainly because you see the comments and the posts about people saying, this is why. Yeah. And uh, especially with significant others, like wives and, and girlfriends, and or the other way around, like that. I mean, either either way, um, from husbands concerned about wives, I mean, it's... it's, it's really seeing all the stories and the increased awareness yeah. I think too that we were talking about on social media is has people worried about the people they care about and are and and, and pushing am I gonna see you come home yeah. after you go out for a bike ride yeah. you know and so 
Um, I've always said it's a cultural problem, though. It's a the way we think and the way we believe about roads. Um, it has more to do with how we've been trained to think about them and what they're there for. Yeah. Well, you only have to go to Spain to see that, or, or France, or to an extent Italy. Although you know, obviously, the horrible thing that happened to Scarpa only happened in Italy. But, 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 but the cultural difference that certainly with Spanish drivers, certainly in areas of high traffic for bicycles, drivers are capable of behaving better. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, and that's um, by by us in the U.S. Uh, the expectation on the roads is they were made for motor vehicles. I mean, that's that's the way they were designed. Yeah. That's the way the Department of Transportation has treated the whole thing. It's definitely uh, an infrastructure. And the way that um, there's a there's a couple of really great organizations locally to us that are advocacy for uh, infrastructure for bicycling, and the way that they've put it uh, a lot of times is they're incomplete roads. That we are put in a bad situation. It's yeah. not the driver. It's not the cyclist. Yeah. It's the situation it's we're situation. put into yeah. that we have to deal with. And then the human behavior, that's the natural reaction. And yeah. we have to go against our selfish natural reaction to say, this was here for my purpose yeah. immediate, in, yeah. in an immediate place. And yeah, we're just yeah. in, a, in, in a bad space and a bad timing that we've been forced into. Yeah, we're in a, we're in a fight for space. Shane. Being here in London, I've, I've noticed, I haven't ridden out in the roads because we're here for the indoor uh, cycling, but I have noticed there's a lot of cyclists around on very skinny roads and the traffic seems to be a little more calm here. Now, I haven't been out there myself, but it seems to be there's a sense of we're all here on the road ourselves. There's not a lot of room for everyone. So it's been quite good to see. And there's, there's actually quite a lot of bikes around here. Well, there's, there's an interesting thing going on in London. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I, and, and there are terrible, terrible incidents here. You know, I, I mean, there have been a number of very well publicised cases. And, and again, rarely a day goes by when there's not some video now I mean people even mock them up now you know, you know to to make them go viral and make money from them uh, you know they have become such a thing the battle between a cyclist and a motorist but there is a bit of an interesting thing happening in, in London where we're not quite yet at critical mass but we're approaching something where bikes on certain roads particularly the ones that are prioritized for bike travel are beginning to outnumber motorists and actually what that's done is forced motorists to change their behavior Right, yeah. No, I've noticed that. And, and getting around London, it looks like a lot faster on a bike yeah. than it is yeah, in a yeah, car. Sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, there's a stat that the, the, the average speed in London has not increased. In fact, it has decreased since the age of the horse and cart. <laughs> the, the horse and cart used to get you around an average of about, I think, uh, from memory, it's broadly right, this, about 16 miles an hour. I think the average speed for a motorised journey in London is is below that. And obviously for a bike, it's it's going to be way faster. Yeah, I've been on the Tube and on the buses and the Tube is a lot quicker. And on the buses, I see cyclists thousands, in their thousands go past. Um, but it's it's been good to see the, the a bit of a cohesion of road users, I guess, of any type, even the bus drivers and the taxi drivers. Mm-hmm. It's been quite good to see. Again, limited experience, um, but it's it's been pleasing. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not perfect here in London, but, but some progress sure has been made. This is the Zwiftcast, the podcast for Zwifters. Well, welcome to what's going to become a regular part of the Zwiftcast, and that's a coaching spot with Kevin Poulsen. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Alan. We ought to establish your credentials for the very few people who don't know. You're Matty Heyman's coach. Yeah, um, yeah, coach Matthew Heyman, uh, along with some other uh, professional riders. Been doing that for, for quite a while now. Obviously, had had some success recently as well, and um, looking forward to some more in the future. 
Yeah, I, I think listeners can be pretty secure that you know your stuff. You know, as satisfying as it is to, to watch a professional athlete win a big bike race, um, it's also just as satisfying to see amateur riders and other professionals just um, they're all making sacrifices and they want to perform at their best and, and playing a part in, in their, their journey is, um, is a, a, real, um, a real buzz. So we're going to start um, with probably the, the favourite subject for Zwifters, really, which is the FTP test. The classic FTP test can be very arduous for the new cyclist or the cyclist who's not really used to fitness testing. So a slightly weird question talking about the FTP test, but is there an alternative to it that you'd recommend? Yeah, there definitely is. The 20-minute test is a very good test. But there are alternatives, and there's a couple that I like to use. Uh, one of them is the, the two-by-eight-minute test, and then it's also good to uh, follow that up with a MAP test, which is a maximal aerobic power test, and we use that to validate the, the result that you get from the eight-minute test just to make sure you have more confidence in your setting. Right. Let's take the eight minute, the two by eight minute. Then, just just describe for us a, um, a typical protocol for the eight two by eight minute, and and why you think that's a good alternative. Uh, after a good warm up, you're completing two eight minute efforts with ten minutes recovery in between those efforts, and they are full full gas efforts. So giving everything that you can, um, and the reason why. They're effective in terms of setting threshold is that uh, it also gives you some other information on the rider's fitness in terms of their ability to repeat an effort. So if a rider is not able to achieve the same average power in the second eight-minute effort, it kind of shows us that their aerobic engine needs some looking at first in the first part of their training program. And to get the value from the, from the eight-minute test, we use the average power of the best average power of the eight minutes and we take 10% off that. There was some confusion with the eight-minute test where people were getting the average of the two eight-minute tests and taking 10% off that, but you're looking at just the best eight minutes that you can give and 10% off that value. Yeah, well, that's nice and simple, isn't it? Uh, what to you are the advantages of the, of the two by eight minutes? I mean, I guess the obvious one is it's just not as long as 20 minutes and, and, and you might be able to pace yourself a little bit better. Yeah, mentally, it's, it's a bit easier to um, get a handle on. But it also, when we come back and retest, we're not always looking for an increase in the eight minute power. We could also be looking at the ability to repeat the same effort in the second effort. So if the first time you do the test, your second effort uh, is way off the first effort, then the next time you come back and test, you'll be looking to either increase your average power for eight minutes or get the two efforts as close as possible. Um, so talk us through the MAP test or maximal aerobic power. What's that and why does it matter? We use the MAP test to validate your value, your test result from the eight-minute test. You don't use the MAP test to set your threshold. You use it just to validate your setting. And the way we do a MAP test, there's a few variations on this, but they pretty much come to the same result. So for a male cyclist, they would start at 175 watts 
and increase by 25 watts every minute until exhaustion. And for a female cyclist, they would start at 125 watts and increase by 25 watts every minute until exhaustion. And and by by exhaustion, Kevin, you mean you just you, that's the slump over the handlebars moment when you can no longer turn the pedals. Absolutely, you just can't pedal anymore. So you've given it everything, emptied the tanks, and you can't pedal anymore. And then from that test, you take your best one minute power, and from that one minute power, your threshold setting should fall within 72 to 79% of that maximal one minute power from the map test. So it's just a way to validate, it's very accurate. Well, lots of numbers there, so let's summarize. Let's start with the two by eight minute FTP test. You want to do a good warm up and then complete two eight minute efforts at full gas with a 10 minute recovery period in between. You take the average power for the best eight minute effort and reduce that by 10%. And that will give you an FTP number equivalent to the longer test. For the maximal aerobic power test, start with a fairly low wattage in the 100s. For men, you should start about 175, and for women, about 125. Then increase the load by 25 watts every minute and keep pedaling until exhaustion. Take the best one minute power reading and your FTP should fall between 72% and 79% of that maximal aerobic power reading. These tests are themselves a good workout. Yeah, they are. They're a good workout in themselves. So don't get hung up on the end value. Uh, think of it as a good workout. Uh, and if you are performing it every four to six weeks, uh, look at the trend in the results. If they're going up over time, obviously things are going well. Uh, if you have a bad result, put it behind you, forget about it and go on to the next one in a few weeks' time. Right on. Shane, you can't deny the fact that Kevin Pilton knows what he's talking about. So the 20 minute test versus the two by eight minute test, I mean, they're widely seen as being equally valid. Do, do you agree? For me, if the number gets you near enough, that's close enough. Unless you are totally elite and at the Tour de France level, near enough's good enough. So any of those methods, uh, they're good enough by me. You were making a face about the two by eight minute, Nathan. Maybe you don't like that so much. Well, I just, well, no, I'm with, I'm a little with Shane is just, I think there's a little beating of the chest when it comes to FTP. Mm. And I think that there might be a little bit of like, well, your FTP is not that high or my FTP is this high. And I'm just kind of like, it's a number to train around yeah. with a large breadth of, mm. you know what I mean? And so having this exact number, what do you need that for to tell somebody you're, Really, really strong. Like we're not really I get strong. that. I get that quite a lot on my YouTube channel. If I'm presenting a workout or said I did this, I did this, or yeah, I did a short minute power. People are like, oh, what is your FTP? Well, it's really not relevant to anybody. Yeah, exactly. Even to me, for a short effort, my five minute could be completely different with some, than somebody with the same FTP over that effort. So it's a physiological thing, and it's not without knowing your weight and knowing your training. It's just this. It's a number for you to train around. So yeah, there's a lot of hang up on it. Like it's almost like a tattoo that people wear. It's definitely not. 
you're both right. And people get horribly, horribly hung up on this FTP number. I think the one point that I would like to leave listeners with, though, about the two by eight minute, and maybe you two will, will, will agree with this, is that for a newbie, for people who are not used to testing, for people who are maybe new to, to proper structured training and have not done any kind of fitness testing before, it is just that bit easier to do, isn't it, Shane? Yeah, look, it's mentally easy to get through. 20 minutes is a long yeah. way. Well, if you want to go outside and do an hour, that's a long way to go. But two by eight is not too bad to get through. But I, I think it's about establishing a baseline and something to measure yourself against next time. That's it. That's all these, are, those, these become. And they're quite valuable for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and either way, you're going to end up with um, a result that can be repeatable mm-hmm. on an eight minute, right? And so either way, you're going to see a consistent number to work around. That's the whole point. And if it's and if you're able to push yourself harder and harder through those and get better and better numbers, you're using a training tool about what you, what you're establishing what you can what you can actually perform at. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um okay, let's finish off. Um we talked a lot actually about what we've all been doing personally. I hope viewers um, listeners find this interesting or semi diverting. But um Shane, um you made me laugh. Because uh, you messaged me and you said, I'm onto a spin class. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was probably quite a good way of sort of, you know, uh, yeah, I know, of, of, of just maybe keeping the legs turning over before the race you've just done. But you came away vaguely converted to the joys of spinning, I say, with a questioning tone in my voice. I understand the business model of Peloton. Mm. I now do. So the, uh, to, to set the picture here, <clears throat> flown in 30 hours door to door. Didn't know what day it was, what time zone it was. I shaved when I left and I shaved when I arrived. And to travel that far, and it, that's just too far. Anyhow, so times that we needed to spin the legs. As an athlete, as a cyclist, we've got to keep the, the consistency is where it's at. So looked around for bikes, couldn't find much on a Sunday, but there was a spin class. Now we're talking spin bikes we're talking female fitness instructor a whole room full of ladies there so scotty and i were the only two guys we had disco lights we had the darkened room we had a spotify playlist and yeah we had up and down and up and down in the saddle and twist and twist and twist and up and down and turn the knob and we got slaughtered That's what scotty said it was so hard <laughs> she I, I can't explain, without visuals, I cannot explain. The instructor was doing 150 RPM, going, keep up, boys, keep up. Scotty and I going, what? We can't. We wanted to almost substitute her in for our CVR spots for the race. These people have specific fitness for these machines and these type of class. Unbelievable. New level of respect. And the other ladies in the class as well. Um, it was funny being, I guess, almost semi-professional indoor cyclist as we are getting flown around the world to compete. And w- here we are getting slaughtered <laughs> in, in, in the back streets of London in, on a Sunday morning. But it's exactly what we needed. We sweated back a lot. streets of London on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it was, I love it. For £10, it was a great workout. But so, 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 the thing is, did you enjoy the, ex- the, the, the whole experience, the music, the lights, the darkness, the shouting uh, by a pretty girl, all of that stuff? I mean, did, did you actually get that experience? Hell no. That's, that hurt. <laughs> it, it was terrible. But what we, we were there for a purpose, which was to get the legs going, get the lungs going, get the heart beating and shakes. And we walked out. Scotty and I just walked out in shock almost. Highly recommended, really, if you need something to do 
do for that. But also doing it in a, in a group environment. If we went to the spin studio ourselves and did two by 20, five by five, just ourselves, there's no motivation to push. You're just getting it done, getting the job done. Having someone else tell you what to do, I get that now. So it was an interesting exposure. Now I've done thousands of indoor sessions. This was my first spin class. Yeah. Well, will it be my last? We'll see. We'll interesting, see. Interesting. Well, well, I mean, Peloton has just completed a funding round. If anybody's interested, they should just go and Google it if you're interested in business. But this is that rare thing. Peloton is a unicorn. It's a tech company that is now worth, on paper, a billion dollars, you know, and they've just raised, yep, and they've just raised, Nathan's going, like, what? It's about their sixth funding round. They are expanding all over the place and they are now on paper worth a billion dollars i i mean you know if you go into the tech or the business press there are people very 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 excited about peloton and it's a big 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 company so nathan i know you've got to go and get your plane so this will be the very very last thing we'll talk about um and i know you're more of a fan of the the idea of the smart bike than shane is maybe shane's a bit converted now but i mean you know could Zwift really get a big slice of this Peloton business if they, if somebody else, because it's not them making it, but if somebody else gets the smart bike right and Zwift get to work with it in the way that Peloton are clearly so successfully doing and spinning in, you know, it's Centius Shane. Uh, the interview with the Uber exec, yeah. exec um, friction, okay, friction and Market. Those two words come to my mind immediately is reduce the friction and uh, and then expand the view of the market. Because right now it's really aimed at a, at a certain niche. And I think that there's a much larger market that Peloton is after. Well, they've, they've proven it exists. Mm -hmm. I mean, people don't throw money at these companies for, 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 mm -hmm. for no reason. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so uh, I think that there's definitely... Uh, the ability to do the same thing with this and make it m much more, uh, well, or even the same kind of community feel. It seems like there's a community feel to the spin thing. I used to speech, teach spin classes way back, and there's some pretty committed people at those gyms that show up. The same people, I go to weightlift now at the same gym I used to teach at, and the same people are attending 15 years later the same spin classes, right? So there's a community feel to the attendance of this like ritual right mm -hmm. and so i think ahdr's got some ritual around it i think yeah. that th i think that there's this thing that can be experienced around a community of dig a digital community that can be even a stronger pull than the peloton has actually because of the relationship that will be stronger from a massive multiplayer online that has a lot of different things always happening at once in game but we need to be able to Reduce the friction to understand that. And we talked about someone getting married in WoW, World of Warcraft, just a little while ago. And I think that that is an example of how strong a digital community and a massive yeah, multiplayer yeah, yeah. can connect people. And I think Zwift could touch on the same thing. We just talked about people getting married because of this game. I think Peloton touches on the quick, like, meet, leave market, right? Mm -hmm. This has user experience pre during and post in a totally different way that I think Zwift could tap into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think it's the smart bike that's going to ultimately reduce the friction. I really do for the for the mass market. Well, this has parallels with Apple versus Android when it yeah. comes to the phones. Yeah. Uh, the Apple uh, people, you just unbox it, you're done. 
it does not, there's no flexibility there. So I see Peloton as the Apple iPhone. Yeah. Zwift is almost the Android. Has the flexibility, is punching pretty hard though to, uh, to get that market share. Yeah. But the, the, the potential there, for sure, if they can nail it, yeah. I think we're going to see big developments at Eurobike, which is probably the next time we're all together because Nathan has got to go and get his aeroplane. Um, we're all quite tired, actually. If it was a, for, for different reasons, it was a tough day yesterday. Thanks very much indeed, guys, for... Uh, making the time, it's quite early morning here in London and Nathan is literally dashing for a plane. Nathan, really, really great to see you again. Good luck in Iceland. Thanks very much for making this happen. Thanks, thanks, Simon. Appreciate it. And uh, now it's been good joining you boys in another seedy hotel room. <laughs> great to see you. Thanks very much. Uh, I think the next time we'll all meet is Eurobike. But until then, uh, I'll see and hear from you next time by our more usual means. Great to see you boys. That's it for this one, folks. Hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Just time to say thanks as ever to Zwift for supporting the podcast. And a reminder to listeners that despite that support, Zwift have no influence on what we choose to say or how we choose to say it. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time.